Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Phillips. Here we're talking all things baseball, and we have a special guest today, Greg Zumach, who is on and joining us. He is a beat writer for, for the Cubs, or at least follows the Cubs tremendously, does their draft prospects, uh, or does their draft and their prospects as well, um, along with following the team. So we're very excited to have him on. Greg, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a beat writer. Those those uh, folks do some really amazing work and travel. And, but uh, just in my off time, I love talking Cubs baseball and, and writing about the Cubs. Um, you know, you I think you nailed it right away. A lot of my summer is spent looking at draft prospects. Um, and I'm already kind of getting into 2024. I know that's not the spirit of what we're doing now, but, um, but looking at those MLB, you know, uh, minor league prospects, such draft prospects uh, is kind of just how I fell in love with the game. So, yeah. So now that you've kind of mentioned that you're looking at the 24 draft class, is this shaping up to be like a good class or is this going to be like maybe a down class in terms of talent? Well, you know, I don't want to say it's a down class yet. I, I do think that the 2023 class is a little bit special. And so, it's, you know, I don't want to I won't get into too much on that. Sure. But um, but there's some some good analysis that's out there that effectively it the 2023 class was deep in part because of the COVID season. And so we had a lot of college players that would have normally been drafted and, and be in, in the minor leagues or even in the majors by this point that ended up going to college. And so we saw it really deep at the top. And then we saw it really deep, you know, like throughout the sixth, seventh, eighth rounds. I mean, there were really good values even on day three. And, and so, um, that's going to be really hard to replicate that. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I do like some of the college players, though. I think there's some really good middle infielders that are there, uh, a few college hitters. The high school class, right now, people are kind of down on it. But I think when we look at things you know, a little bit less than a year from now, when we're sitting in here next July, I think there's going to be some high school players that really surge up boards. And and we'll be looking at the classes, you know, pretty solid. Perfect, perfect. Well, it'll be fun to see how that shapes up as this, you know, off season goes on, as the regular season next year gets into full swing and everything too. So, but uh, Greg, I want to ask, how did you get started in in all of this? You know, it's funny, um, but like I got started when there was no baseball. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, I've been following the team since I mean I was a little kid. And I was named after Greg Maddox, which was kind of ballsy from my parents because the season prior, he's pretty terrible, actually. So he wasn't the Greg Maddox that we knew. It's like the Greg Maddox from 1987, and that, that record wasn't that amazing. But hey, I, I guess uh, it, it turned out pretty well. And so I've been, I've been following the team since I was a kid, but um, you know, really got into it when I was about 11 or 12. And and spent a lot of a lot of my kind of childhood diving into deeper parts of the game. Weirdly enough, you know, despite posting on some message boards and all that, I really started to dive into the game when there was next to no baseball. And so, in the uh, twenty twenty time frame, I already started kind of making notes about you know the Cubs' new scouting director Dan Kantrovitz, uh, VP of Scouting. I started making notes about you know, what I thought Nico Horner was going to be doing and like, why, you know, where does he go from there? And uh, digging into websites like Baseball Savant, which is an amazing tool and resource and free to use. And, sure. and so I just started to like dive into that stuff. And it weirdly enough, 
was like, you know what, I'm just going to create a free blog, write some of this stuff online, people can call me a moron all they want, and, and I'm just going to dive into it. And the more I started to do that, the more I realized, like, hey, like, this is really great. And I reached out to players, and, and it was crazy. I'll never forget, like, I was taking, you know, my kid for a walk, and I got a message back from one of the players, one of the minor league guys even, that was just like, sure, yeah, I'd love to jump on a call with you. And I like, couldn't wow. believe that. That was like mind blowing coming from that place. And now, you know, I've got good relationships with them and, you know, happily honor stuff that they'd rather keep, you know, off the record and, um, but kind of hear their insights in the game and life and their families and stuff like that. It's just been a really rewarding experience. But, you know, that's kind of how I got started. I was doing my own thing, really dove into the draft. Um, and then the folks that I had been kind of friends with and connected with in the Cubs minor league sphere, like Todd Johnson, Greg Huss. Jimmy Nelligan and I all kind of realized, you know, we're kind of all doing our own thing, but we can just come together. And uh, so we, we created Northside Bound, and it's been a really fun experience. And we've met other people who are passionate about the game as well. So um, kind of a long-winded, but, uh, but it is crazy to, to think back. And that was basically three years ago, four years ago or whatever, um, that I really started to, to dive into this. Kind of fun. That's awesome, man. That's a really cool story for sure. And the fact that, like, I'm guessing you just reached out to the player via what was called Twitter and now X. Yeah. Um, okay. And he just, like, responded, like, I'm guessing you sent him a DM then or? Yeah, I just, that's pretty much what I was doing. I had already kind of written a few articles, so it wasn't like I was nothing. And obviously I kept sure. it super professional a lot. But, um, but yeah, just, it was super cool. These guys just reached out and, uh, and we're like, yeah, sure. I'll jump on a call with you. And I, uh, one of the first guys I ever talked to was uh, DJ Hers, who went from the Cubs to the Nationals in the Candelario trade this summer. I love DJ. I think he's an absolute bulldog. I'm rooting for him like crazy. I've just, being able to connect with him, I could see his passion um, and how much of, I, I use the term bulldog all the time, but I, I, lo- I think it's totally appropriate just how much of a bulldog he is on and off the mound. And, uh, you know, those kind of experiences and relationships are something I'm never really going to for, forget. I'm just, I can't wait till he makes it to the majors. That's cool. That is really cool, man. That's a really cool story. Um, I want to go back. You mentioned about your, your site, northsidebound.com. Uh, share with us, like, tell us a little more about, like, what is this where, like, all your Cubs stuff goes, like, from the draft to prospects to how the team's currently doing? Like, what all is, what's all on there? Yeah, so that's a good point. Um, so with Northside Bound, we focus on the prospects and uh, the draft. Uh, an okay. international free agency too, but basically not the major leagues outside of trades that affected or promotions to the major leagues. You know, like uh, when Pete Crow Armstrong got promoted, of course, we had an article about that, right? Cubs top prospect <laughs> getting promoted. You kind of have to talk about it. And and so, you know, it is interesting. I don't really have a place where I write my major league ideas. Um, we've talked about incorporating some of that or or doing that just on the side that I, I dig into stuff in the off season where I really write these like, well, I don't know what it's called anymore, but Twitter threads, it's just these long winded things about this particular guy, this particular player that, you know, would benefit maybe from this kind of different change up location or something like different slider arrangement um, and how he'd be a good target. Things I did that like Will, with Will Smith, um, Jamison Tyone, uh, a few others and stuff. So, Right now, that's kind of, I mean, at least last year it lived on Twitter. I don't know. But at Northside Bound, we really focus on on our prospect analysis, our draft analysis. I'm really proud of the work that we do kind of collectively. Um, 
our our art uh, in in a way uh, our photographs is something that Todd Johnson, Rich Beesterfield, uh, Stephanie. Uh, Lynn just do amazing work on. And so in, in addition to writing articles for us, uh, all three of those take some really amazing photos. And so we like to, to showcase the players and, and really celebrate those players uh, and allow their families to do the same. So. Cool. Very cool. Uh, so you mentioned about the draft and we talked about it at the beginning of the show and everything like that. Greg, what are your thoughts on the Cubs draft that just happened? I think they did a really good job. I mean, it's hard to argue that Matt Shaw wasn't an incredible pick at pick 13. And this is coming from somebody who I was maybe one of the softer ones on Matt Shaw's projection. Uh, I saw him live. I thought he was really good bat. So I have no questions about the bat whatsoever. I, I just, in the way that he would play, like from his arm action in the field... I just had some questions about like how that's going to stick. I don't think he's a shortstop, and that's not really a huge knock on him. But just, is that going to be a third baseman? Is that going to be a second baseman? Um, you know, ultimately, I th- maybe I'm just softer on the defensive projection. I've, I likened him many times to like a right-handed Ian Happ, okay. who's a fantastic selection at pick nine. So to get Matt Shaw at pick 13, you know, Matt, um, Ian Happ in 2015 was the ninth overall selection. To get Matt Shaw there, I think, was great. He's been amazing. He's forced their hands to, to be up at AAA, or double A, excuse me, and, and it just it's fantastic. Starting there, that anchors your draft. And I thought they took some really inspired selections in picks three, four, and five. That would be uh, Josh Rivera, shortstop out of Florida, Will Sanders, a right-handed pitcher, South Carolina, and then uh, Michael Carrico, who kind of like a catcher. I think he's going to be catching long-term. Um, but regardless, I just love the bat profile he caught at Davidson. <clears throat> Some really incredible selections. Took uh, a few high school swings thereafter, and then th- I think it was their 17th, 18th, it was their 18th round pick. Um, Brian Calmer was just a dynamite selection. He's a third baseman. Uh, the bat is absolutely playing. He and Johnny Long, their ninth, select, ninth round selection, they just got a bunch of big bats, and those bats are going to force their way up. And they're not all going to work out, but man, they are taking the lower levels of the minors by storm just right after they're drafted. It's really big. Um, they took one day three swing on a high school player, Zaire Hope, who's been great, a very toolsy outfielder out of high school. Um, and, uh, you know, he's been really good in the Arizona Complex League forcing his way up to Myrtle Beach, which is their low-A affiliate. Overall, I feel pretty good about it. I think the big question mark is probably second-round pick Jackson Wiggins. He was a fairly risky selection, uh, a guy that didn't really have a ton of production success at the college level. Uh, you know, Big right-hander, uh, electric stuff, like unbelievable stuff. And the big question is control. The reports are from the fall is that he looked amazing, just absolutely electric, and then unfortunately had to have Tommy John surgery. If he comes mm. back anywhere close to the form that they saw him in the fall, I mean, they absolutely nailed it. And and some of the folks that, that saw him and some of the folks in the Cubs organization are like, this guy's the real deal. I'm a little bit more skeptical, but but I'm excited to see. And and the hope is, is that maybe he's kind of like a Cade Horton, which was another amazing selection the year prior, despite some risks. So. 
yeah, Cubs kind of rolled the dice a little bit, but there's some fun players, and regardless, you feel great about what Matt Shaw, Johnny Long, Brian Comer are already doing. Perfect. Well, we hope he has a quick and healthy recovery for sure. Um, you kind of mentioned Pete Crow Armstrong earlier at the beginning of the show. We've t- we've seen Jordan Wicks get the call up as well. We've seen Matt Mervis get the call up already. Is there another prospect that you think is going to get called up and and specifically, you know, this season or any more call ups going to be next year? Yeah. So there's one that could that could happen this season, uh, and that would be Ben Brown. Ben Brown was uh, the player that the Cubs acquired for uh, uh, Robertson last year, Daniel Robertson, and uh, David Robertson, sorry. And um, that was a guy that I think he ran into some control issues at AAA, which is not uncommon with the automated ball strike zone. That has caused a lot of issues across the league uh, in evaluating players, especially when they're executing pitches at the knees, pitches on the outside corner, mm-hmm. that in the majors or in AAA or AA or whatever would have been called a strike that all of a sudden are walks. Then they start you know, losing the zone or the ball is drifting over the plate more and they're getting hit. I think he, he did not um, benefit from the automated ball strike zone. Then he had an injury, and the word is, is that the Cubs still do think there's a chance that he comes back. Uh, to the majors. He's been pitching in AAA. He would be really big out of the pen, hopefully. And and so it is at least already on the 40-man as well. So it is at least possible that Ben Brown maybe makes it up. If I had to guess something like the Pirate Series, uh, September 19th, I think they go Pirates-Rockies back-to-back um, before two really big series with Atlanta and Milwaukee to end the season. I I could see I could see that being being the time that they could bring up Ben Brown if he's still kind of healthy and throwing well. Okay, well I'm going to piggyback off of Ben Brown a little mm-hmm. bit here. Um, is is he projected, or is the thought process with him being a like frontline starter? And if he if he's not, is there a guy like that in the in the minor leagues for the for the Cubs, or are they going to have to go out maybe in the offseason and try and get a veteran frontline starter guy? Yeah, so frontline's so tough, right? Because there's like so many different definitions. But I would say that the way I personally classify it is like ace is like your top seven, seven to ten pitchers in the game. That's your like prime Scherzer, your Cy Young winners, your, your you know. And um, I definitely don't think he's that. Uh, frontline is the kind of guy that I identify as about a two or three, which to you know maybe if a number three starter doesn't sound exciting that's somebody that's taking the rotation at least twice in a playoff series so mm-hmm. to me that's very exciting right like if you feel sure. pretty good about you know getting you to the playoffs and hey this guy's going to take them out twice and you feel good about it top 50 pitcher in the, in the game and and so i think that that's probably if everything keeps clicking that's kind of the role that ben brown could play it, it's still a bit on the rosier of projections and and some of it does depend on health, but I th- he logged enough innings this year that I think there's a chance that he's kind of shifts. He probably debuts in a in a role very similar to how the Cubs have worked with Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, uh, a few of these other guys, where they start pitching these like multi inning roles and then continue to build up into their to the point that they're actually um, full time starters, and and so I. I think that that would be kind of the rosier projections from him. 
as if you're looking for like your this guy could legitimately be a ace frontline starter it's possible Cade Horton is that guy. I, I mean, everything that he he came to the Cubs, one, having fairly recently recovered from Tommy John, having a pretty poor season for Oklahoma, then changed, you know, tried to debut this cutter thing, didn't work, switched it to a sweeper, and just took off like a rocket. It was unbelievable, was a dominant force all the way through the College World Series. It was only a five-star sample, but it was amazing. And, but he went to the Cubs effectively with two swing and miss pitches and in the fastball and the slider, which is the slider's a real banger completely. And the changeup wasn't that good. The curveball wasn't that good. But effectively, you, you had the building blocks with the two swing and miss pitches. And over the course of this season, and it really started to click in about June, he switched his changeup to be a more of a split change, which plays off of his, the rest of his stuff really, really well. And he's improved his curveball. It's now he's now getting swing and miss on four different pitches. Okay. That there's not a lot of guys who do that. Um, his control is actually really good. His peripherals uh, are amazing. And and for folks who do like to dive into the stats, one of the more predictive stats is is something super simple. You actually just take the percentage of guys you strike out for a pitcher minus the percentage of guys you walk. It's your K minus walk percentage, and it's pretty predictive. And he's like one of the top in minor league baseball. So including the stuff looks great, the peripherals look good, he's worked his way all the way up to double A and is having success. I think that's a guy that, I'm not saying right off the gate you put him in to the major league rotation, but like if he's making major league starts next June, I think that's possible. I think it's totally possible. So those are my two guys to kind of watch out for on different ends of the spectrum a little bit, but um, but both have some exciting properties to them. So you mentioned Cade Horton here several times, and he's obviously a, a top prospect for, for the Cubs here. I know while he was at Oklahoma, he was kind of this two-way player, and it's not surprising to see a college player kind of be a two-way player just because the game is a little bit different there than it is when you get to the majors. But I believe, if I understand right, his first season in the minors with the Cubs, he was still kind of that two-way. Um, is he going to be a legit like Shohei Otani kind of prospect for them? Or are the Cubs just going to be like, you pick one side and you, that's it? Oh, I, yeah, I think he's a pitcher, no doubt. Um, I, yeah, he, so he's an interesting dude because he is a 2020 guy um, with the draft that, like, the Cubs are talking to him in 2020. This isn't anything, like, off the record. This is actually on the record. Dan Kinchpitz, their VP of scouting, has talked about that. Or he and their area scout at the time uh, were, were in their living room talking to him, and, and, you know, it's kind of exciting. It just, ultimately, he decided to go to college. I think it was really cool. Um, and he was going to be a th- effectively a three-way guy if if you want to, because he was going to hit and play third base. He is going to pitch, and then he's going to be quarterback on the football team. Whoa. And yeah, absolutely. And Tommy John effectively eliminated the football possibility. Okay. He broke back in. He started to recover from Tommy John. So in 2022, he he started to get back in there, and they kind of threw him in at third base more than anything. Ultimately, his future is totally on the mound. I don't think the Cubs are going to have him hit. Uh, there's just there's just too much kind of risk associated with it. But you know, he's a fun guy that, in some weird situation in which the DH you lose that for a game and you got Kate Horton on the mound, do you want to take a swing? 
I don't know. I think you just uh, you let him swing away and you see what happens and you tell him to run very slowly around the bases. <laughs> okay. The only other player that I can think of that's not Otani that kind of fit that similar kind of a, a mold was in Tampa Bay, Brandon McKay. Um, and I believe his first year in the majors, like he was on fire on the mound. I can't remember if he they let him hit too much, if at all. Um, unfortunately, injuries have kind of okay. Yeah. Injuries kind of wrecked his career lately. But um, yeah, I mean, I, it's an interesting thing with the success of Otani because, like, let's be honest, when we all grew up playing baseball, we all pitched and we all hit. So like, it's not totally uncommon. It's just an uncommon to see at the highest level yeah. of the game for sure. If you want a 2024 guy to watch out for, Jack Caglione uh, is somebody that could potentially be a two-way guy and drafted fairly high. He was a big time, like he would DH uh, whenever he wasn't pitching for Florida, and he handled, you know, one of the big games in the College World Series uh, on the mound. I would say that the no, I'm not even going to compare him to Otani because it's not necessarily that, but. <clears throat> The the development steps that he has from both a pitcher and a hitter, I I think are they may teams may kind of pick a path for him, but I do think that he's at least exciting enough that you it's not that hard to imagine things taking a step up on either side or even both, uh, both hitting and pitching to where you know he's a top five guy and it's a legitimate discussion of we're going to draft you for both and we'll figure it out later. Um, this year, people were having the same kind of conversations about eventual number one overall pick, Paul Skeens. He hit mm -hmm. and pitched while at Air Force. When he transferred over to LSU, they had a lot of conversations with him about, we think you're an absolute stud on the mound. And then, you know, things obviously worked out from there. But, um, but it is amazing that two-way revolution is, is exciting in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Jack Caglione. I have to remember that name. Um, awesome, awesome. Speaking more prospects and everything, we've done a lot of this. But is there a prospect that Cubs fans should be excited about that you know maybe isn't getting as much kind of like you know attention? Yeah, um, that's interesting. So kind of like the underrated guy, and sure. uh, you know, there's there's a handful. I'll just kind of rattle off a couple that I think folks need to be paying a little bit more attention to. Uh, one of them is Moises Ballesteros. He's a catcher, big-bodied catcher, um, but honestly makes a lot of plays, uh, but a big-bodied catcher that effectively forced his way all the way up to double-A this year. He's a very young kid, really good offensive profile. Looks like he's going to be hitting for more power in the future, but like just excellent play discipline, really, really solid. There's some talk, not necessarily from the Cubs, but but outside saying, you know, that body's probably not going to hold up. He's more of a first baseman. I would give him the full winter to work out with the Cubs conditioning staff before I'd even think about making any of those changes. Um, he's got, he's muscly, so it's not, it's not like bad shape. He's just, he's a strong dude. Um, but yeah, he goes by, I don't know if anybody else calls him this, but Cubs Twitter and other people call him Moballer, and he is so much fun. So you know, if you're if you're just paying attention to necessarily like the Matt Shaw, Kate Horton, um, you know, you might miss out on a guy like Moises Ballesteros. Don't. I think he's totally somebody to, to follow, especially if he does kind of stay at catcher. Um, I'm not a big fantasy dynasty guy, but and probably because I'm not very good at it. Uh, but 
you know, I guess for your fantasy folks, like you might want to consider him if he keeps his catching eligibility because I really buy the bat. Okay. Another guy Good. that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, free fantasy advice. I wouldn't take it because I'm not necessarily very good at it. But I feel like I've got a good pulse for the prospects. Um, another guy to at least pay attention to, and I don't know if it's going to be with the Cubs or otherwise, um, but I do think that he continues his progression. That's James Trianto. So he's second round pick in 2021, 20 years old, forcing his way up to double A. Um, the big knock on him, he's amazing contact ability. The big knock on him is probably he chased the ball too much. He really improved that. It's much better this year. Now probably the biggest knock is, is defensively where does he find a home? I don't know, but I'd, I'd give him a full winter uh, to really work on probably like second base or something like that, but just give him a full home. I think no matter where, I, I still am a big James Triantos believer. I think that he could have a big you know, top 100 overall prospect breakout next season. Um, I hope it's with the Cubs. If not, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but but sometimes that middle infield is getting a little crowded with Shaw and Rivera and stuff like that. But, yeah, uh, that's another guy I'm still a big believer on, and, and he's probably not getting as much uh, kudos as he really deserves for what he's accomplished. Okay. Awesome, awesome. All right, we got to switch gears now. Yep. Enough of the prospects because a lot of these guys you won't see probably until next season or, or later on down the road. And the Cubs are in the playoff hunt, you know, for sure. Greg, what are your thoughts and feelings about their chances of winning the division, the NL Central, which, by the way, is like the craziest division I've seen in, in some time. And then also if they do make it in the playoffs, which they should, their chances like in going deep into the playoffs. Yeah, winning the division is going to be really tough. I'm not. Um, I would love it. They're they sit four games back as of when we're recording this right now, and that's a pretty big ask with like 15 games to go. So I, you know, I don't know that the division is too realistic. They have three head-to-head games against Milwaukee. That could be huge. It could be huge, and so it's not out of reach. You know, like we could be sitting here a week from now, and they could be like one game back two games back going into that series and like i don't know it, it could happen it it is going to be a little bit tough the thing i do feel pretty decent about and hopefully i'm not jinxing them is the fact that they're two games up on a playoff berth um they don't have tiebreakers on a lot of these teams so that'll be kind of tough but they're still two games up they you feel pretty good about your your position despite losing to the rockies you know it they're in the playoff hunt and they are like 15 games to go in a playoff position. And there were a couple months ago, there were folks that were like, this is over. They're mm-hmm. posting the, the like, I think it's Vince Carter gif of just like, it's over. It's over. <laughs> and, and, and I've, I felt that way at times too. I was like, Oh man, they're going to, you know, selling for a third straight year is not ideal. Uh, but they're sitting on all these, uh, at the time, like Stroman is a big trade target. Uh, Cody Bellinger was a big trade target. And so it's like, well, I mean, you can't not sell. If, if you're not going to do better, like if you really truly are out of the hunt, you got to sell. Um, you know, d- you got to cash in your chips before, before the end of the night. Can't take them home. And, and so, you know, I think there were a lot of folks, myself included, that were just resigned to the fact of like, dang, all right, go get them again next year. That's really disappointing. Cody Bellinger was on fire everything clicked at one time they forced their hand and the big question immediately after the they even bought at the trade deadline getting candelario um 
like, like I mentioned earlier. And the big question after that is, okay, all right, did they just have a really hot two weeks and sucker this team into buying? No, they went out and had a 18 and 9 August against actually some pretty decent teams like Atlanta and Cincinnati. Um, you know, they're kind of hitting a hitting a wall in September and hopefully they can just get a day off and rest and come back strong, but but overall I they've they've more than held up their end of the bargain um to be a competitive team this year. And so as far as in the playoffs, Boy, it kind of depends on where they're positioned, but they proved that they were able to go toe-to-toe with Atlanta, Mm -hmm. took every ounce of energy to get through it, but that's kind of the playoffs for you. So, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I just want playoff baseball back. It'd be bonus points if there's games at Wrigley. Um, But more than anything, I think uh, this team deserved a chance, and and they've held up their end of the bargain so far. Awesome. Well, I know at the beginning of the season, my colleague who's not with us, um, Rafal Nagdewinski, he and I were talking about teams that um, that didn't make the playoffs last season and that could potentially make the teams this season. And I know I picked the Cubs as one of them because it's like, man, their their offseason moves. There's not like a big headliner. Like you got Swanson, you got Bellinger, you got Strum. Like those are all really good players, but there's obviously a lot of questions like with them and stuff. So. Um, ultimately I chose them and was like, I feel like they could, and the NL Central isn't strong. Like they, they could do it. So, yeah. um, I'm glad to see the Cubs are making my predictions look correct. Cause then it makes me look smart and I, you know, love that. But, um, <laughs> anyways, Greg, we'll, we'll end up with this last question here. Um, tell the fans here, get the chance for you to kind of self-promote and brag. What are you working on next? What can fans look forward to seeing either at Northside bound or following you on Twitter or anything like that? Yeah, totally. I appreciate it. Uh, and I had a really good time. Thank you so much. Um, Christmas is awesome. But uh, yeah, probably a few things on Northside Bound. It, it's crazy. and But right now I'm already turning my attention to the 2024 draft cycle. I'm finishing up one piece that probably won't drop later today, maybe tomorrow, all about what I do, what's called a shadow draft. A few other people in the draft realm kind of do this too. But they they draft players as if they were that team, and mm-hmm. um, and so like I know Brian Recca of Prospects Live has done that for years with the Giants. There's a few other people that do a really good job of it. So I'll be doing a, a shadow draft. And so last year, actually, this is fairly right after the draft. My my number one selection was Zach Neto instead of Cade Horton, and Neto's in the majors, so that's kind of fun. But this year I'll be kind of doing something similar. All 20 rounds, every single player, blurbs on the ones that, um, you know, weren't drafted by the Cubs but would have been drafted by me. Just having a lot of fun with it. And then diving into 2024 uh, draft cycle. So I've got some pieces coming out about, you know, some aspects of a few players that I've scouted in person uh, that, that might be really exciting. Some that I saw in Omaha um, at the College World Series and Big Ten Championships. So just a lot of fun. This this fall, we're going to be diving into comprehensive prospect reports for the Cubs at Northside Bound. So I can't tell you exactly how many players, but probably 40-plus deep um, oh, with, with right. breakdowns on everything and then a handful of honorable mentions. It's a deep system, and, and so it's it's really my pleasure to kind of dive into that. I think the fans really connect and, and really enjoy it. 
Awesome. Well, that definitely sounds like a lot of work, but also should be a lot of fun for all Cubs fans out there to kind of get uh, an inside look on guys. Because, you know, let's be honest, like the MLB draft is cool, but a lot of these guys, you don't hear about them for a few years or in some cases, like you don't hear about them ever again. So um, it'll be fun to see because I, I know watching minor league players, like there are some that like never have the success at the major league level that you would like but you know you you follow them like man he's so cool so good like i really really liked him so much in there and everything like that so um that's awesome awesome look forward to that when did you say that that's going to come out this fall you said um they usually come out in november uh i I coordinated with uh my fellow writers so todd johnson and and greg huss and then we may have one of our other uh writers dive into that for the first time this year too, but but I'm not sure yet. And then what we do is we take our joint rankings um, and uh, connect, collaborate, whatever, but but compile them into one. And so we've got a consensus ranking as well. So, you know, last year I think we went 30 plus deep. Um, might Probably we'll go pretty deep again this year. It just kind of depends. But I, those are a lot of fun. Sometime in November, we just make sure we all have the same week blocked off that we can do one each and then the, the consensus after that. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, Greg, loved having you on the show. Definitely want to have you back on, you know, playoff baseball. If the Cubs can make it in, try to see if we can't get you on there. Talk about yeah. what's going on with that in the playoffs. Um, definitely like in, in the off season as well, because there will be time where there's no baseball. And we got to have something to talk about. So um, right. loved having you on for everyone out there, you know, follow Greg um, on, on, X. It's so odd. That's so weird, man. <laughs> yeah. You can follow him at Ivy Futures. You can follow the replacement level podcast. Also check out, like Greg has mentioned several times on the show, his northsidebound.com. There's it sounds like there is just a lot of tremendous stuff on there. Um, and look forward to some of his upcoming work as well. You can follow this show on X uh, at replacement level one. You can follow our colleague Rafal at Rafal. N613, myself at C underscore Phillips underscore 13. Follow the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on there. Share with your friends. Tell everybody about it. You know, leave us some comments. Leave some stuff for Greg. I'm sure he'll respond to you. I know I will, but uh, tell everybody about it. And guys, until next time, thank you for tuning in and have a great day.